0: Marriage on a Tightrope is a podcast that explores how couples can strengthen their relationship when one spouse experiences a shift in religious beliefs.
1: Some people long for a life that is simple and planned, tied with a ribbon. Some people won't sail the sea because they're safer on land to follow what's written, but I'd follow you. Welcome, everybody, to the first, the introductory, the inaugural, 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 inaugural. Inaugural? I have a lull. I have a, a slur in my voice. Episode of the Marriage on a Tightrope podcast. I am one of two hosts, Alan, and you've heard the second host. Go ahead and introduce yourself. I'm Katie, and we are married. How about that? We sure are. <laughs> we're really excited to be with you today, and and we're we're hoping that this podcast can be of help to uh, everybody out there, especially those that are married and experiencing what we're about to explain that we are experiencing. Uh, in fact, this was all Katie's idea. So if it's great, all glory to Katie. If it's awful, ah. if it's awful, then it was my idea. Can we, we'll just go that route. How's that?
0: Yeah, I like blaming you for things. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned. <laughs>
1: Before we introduce ourselves, Katie, I'd love for you to go through why you had this idea for a podcast about marriage and explain a little bit about our purpose for recording this podcast for the masses.
0: Sure. Well, I guess before we get into the introductions of who we are and where where we are in our marriage and in our church standing... I just want to say that this idea came from, I guess, the loneliness I've felt over the past year. Mm. Also, I think that there are probably so many more couples in the spot that we're in. And poor us a year ago. (laughs) Neither of us knew what was going on or how to do things or what to expect and... That's kind of uh, my hope is to bring hope or ideas or even some support to those couples who are experiencing a shift in beliefs. And one maybe would be and maybe the other isn't. Right. Um, How we got marriage on a tightrope is if you listen to the introductory song, we recently saw the movie. The greatest show. This is the greatest show. Yeah. And okay, we loved it. And Alan said, you know, that tightrope song is my least favorite. And so I went back and I listened to it.
1: Michelle Williams doesn't have the strongest singing voice.
0: Well, neither does Hugh Jackman.
1: You're right. Well, I mean, he started on Broadway. He's got the chops. When he gets up to a certain level, this is not the purpose of the to, to critique the music. So go ahead. Yes, Tightrope okay. was not my favorite See, song. This
0: is where I like roll my fingers. Like, let's. She's just like, move let's along. move along. Mm-hmm. I like to.
1: You're going to learn that I'm. She's very good at abbreviating things, and I stretch them out and beat them to death. So go ahead. I'm sorry, Katie. Okay,
0: so we. I went back and listened to the song, and I said, Alan. This is exactly how I'm feeling my life is with you. I am walking this tightrope, and I've used this example many times in our marriage, and especially with what we're currently experiencing. And I've I've been trying to balance my marriage, my, my faith, and my children. And I listened to the song, and the song spoke to me big time. And I said, this is how I feel. So it was Fitting for us to name this podcast "Marriage on a Tightrope." I came up with the idea and presented it to my my husband, who jumped at the opportunity. <laughs> and hopefully, this will provide some sort of peace, comfort, support,
1: and a little little context, a deeper context on the song itself. Because the whole message of the song is, "I'm walking this tightrope with you. It's hard." But I wouldn't have it any other way. And I, it's positive. I'm, it's, it's a positive message of, man, I love you, and I will go into the great unknown with you. That's actually one of the lyrics of the song. It's a beautiful song.
0: It is. Hence the theme of <laughs> our podcast. Uh, something else I wanted to just touch on is uh, when I have felt very alone because my family didn't know where we were at, or I just didn't feel like there was anyone I, I had to turn to to talk to, I would join these Facebook groups and a lot of them were one is LDS wives anonymous where women can leave anonymously their question about how to deal with something. You think it would help, but it actually doesn't because they're not a real life person talking to me one on one. And then recently an article just came out in LDS Living and it's about a spouse who leaves the church. And when I went to look for the author, it said anonymous. And it makes me sad. It does because I've been in that lonely place and it's hard. It's hard to be able to talk to anybody about these types of things without feeling judged or without feeling like you're just alone in your in your feelings. So that is another reason why I wanted to do this is to bring a face and maybe two voices to an issue that a lot of you may be facing
1: yourselves. Yeah, we're being purposefully vague at this exact moment. And in fact, listening to what we've said for the last five minutes and 52 seconds, <laughs> the wheels may be turning in the listeners' heads of, well, clearly one of them has changed their beliefs. Which one is it? We're going to get there, but we're not quite done with the purpose and not only what this podcast is, but what this podcast isn't and what we aren't. If I can say uh, we are not historians, (laughs) we are not academics, scholars, we are two people that have been married for a while. We want this podcast to be focused on when you do have differing beliefs, how do you make it work? What are the difficult times? What are the, the good times? Can this actually bring you closer together? Because in a, I'll spoiler. Uh, in a lot of ways, Katie, you and I are much closer today than we were a year, two, three years ago. It's brought us closer in a lot of ways, and it doesn't mean it's easy. And that leads us to really the the last point of the purpose of the podcast. You're going. You can probably already tell we're putting ourselves out there. This is a very vulnerable thing for us to do because every day this is a theme in our lives. And if you're experiencing this, you have felt that too we don't know how this is going to shake out. Uh, there may be episodes that we record and we listen back to and we say, uh, nope, that's too much. It's too hard. It is it is very personal for us. And maybe after a month of doing this, or even after this first episode, we'll, we'll feel, I don't know if we can keep doing this. We tell you that with the intent of making sure everyone understands that This is very real. This is visceral, and and we're putting ourselves out there in a very vulnerable way um, to share our experience.
0: Yes, and also the other thing we wanted to focus on is we felt it was important that we don't call out other people. We're not going to be saying, oh, our bishop said this, our stake president said that. This family member said something that was hurtful. It's not about the people around us. It's about how how are we going to manage this in our marriage and what are we going to do to help it be okay and to move forward with faith and with love and really doing what we feel is best for our family.
1: Yeah, we want to respect other I mean we're like we said we are currently going through this and what our family and ecclesiastical leaders have said to us is still very much part of the equation for us. And it's not fair for us to include them in this conversation. We will include, like you mentioned, Katie, we will include um, some lessons learned, but we won't out anybody. We also want to make sure that you know that we are here to talk to you directly. We'd love for you to email us at marriage, on a tightrope at gmail.com uh you can address that to katie or to alan or to both of us uh, if you have any questions if you want to if you want to just talk uh, we do live in um, the salt lake area and so if you are in uh, salt lake utah i mean we're married with four children and um, so it may be hard to, to organize time sometimes with how busy that can be but we'd love to meet up uh, as well if if uh, you feel that would be helpful so that's good. Good job with the purpose we did it next, what we'd love to do is is take a step back now that we've uh, explained the, the purpose of the show to to talk about just who we are. We'll this go. Is,
0: this is our sacrament meeting two minute introduction.
1: That is a good way of putting it that's right. so let's do that little two minute introduction. okay and Katie, actually could you start? I want to know. A little bit about you. Where are you from? I will. What drives you?
0: (laughs) I don't know about that. Um, I grew up here in Utah, and I'm the oldest in my family. I would be categorized as a TBM, if you don't know what that is. I
1: didn't know you knew what that was. I
0: know what a true blue Mormon is. Uh. And so that's what I would be categorized as. I grew up in the church uh, my whole life. I would say that I have a very natural gift of faith. I'm just—I'm mm-hmm. pretty believing always. I went on a mission. I—I I, uh, went to BYU and I went on a mission, and that's actually how Alan and I met is oh. in the Forbidden. In now the forbidden
1: we know way. where all these troubles started. We Alan, did, you didn't lock your heart, honey. We
0: did. We did not. We both were in the MTC together, mm-hmm. and Alan was my district leader.
1: Thanks for dropping the title. I needed that recognition. Thank you.
0: Well, you know. <laughs> anyway, so we met in the MTC, and then we both served our missions in the Spain Barcelona mission. Espana. Espana.
1: Barcelona.
0: Yes, it was. It was both thrilling and exciting and difficult. Difficult and but we made I think our best friends, including each other, yeah. on the mission. So we came home, and uh, shortly after we were both home, we got married. We both went to BYU, and then we started our family. We have four children, ages 11, soon to be 10, mm-hmm. 5, and 4. And right now, we live in the Salt Lake area. I am a stay-at-home mom, and currently I serve as the primary president in our ward. And
1: She's I, the bomb. She's I, very good.
0: I, well, I wouldn't say that. However. You don't have to. I <laughs> I I do enjoy the calling a lot. Yeah. It's it's a it's one of my favorites I've had. And uh, that's a little bit about me.
1: I, I mean, I think they deserve to know a little bit. So, for example, let me just ask you a couple of questions. Oh my gosh. Okay. No, it's okay, it's okay. So, what did you study at BYU?
0: I studied a worthless degree <laughs> called <laughs> called English.
1: English. Hmm.
0: And it is it's worthless because Unless you go on to do a masters or a doctorate in Hard to a field find. of study in that there is really no jobs available. Right. It's okay. But I mean I didn't want a teaching certificate. Sure. So who knows?
1: You're passionate about writing. You we've talked yes. about doing children's books and things like that. Okay. What other hobbies do you, do you have or wish you had if you had time? <laughs>
0: I know, with kids. My kids are my hobbies right now. Right. I really really love baking. I Oh, I she's so good. I cook and I bake a lot. A lot. It's just like food is just all I think about. And sadly, we're on this like New Year's resolution to lose <laughs> weight and stop eating sugar and it's just very depressing. But I have found some good recipes and I think that that's enough about me. Let's talk about you. Alan. Oh, she's
1: very uncomfortable talking about I don't herself. Want to talk she about doesn't myself. like I will say she's a wonderful baker. What's a female baker called? A bakeress? Let's just say bakedress. I, that sounds fun.
0: I, I think it's still a baker.
1: Oh, I know. But bakedress is cool. We're, we're patenting that. It's
0: a, it's, a, it's a baker with a frilly
1: apron. <laughs> Cute pink apron. Yeah. Um, you know, let's do a. We're going to do a marriage and a tightrope um, special time offer. If you reach out to us and you want to meet up, the first five couples to reach out to us will receive um, some baked goods when we meet up from Katie.
0: Okay, that's I'm com- very generous of you.
1: Uh, isn't it? I'm committing you to bake. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm Alan. I'm the, uh, the junior companion, as they say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, actually, literally, Katie is a year older than me. I grew up in Santa Barbara, California. Beautiful, beautiful place. Um, lived there the first 20 years of my life, went to UCLA. I played volleyball there and had a volleyball scholarship and played there. Towards the end of my mission, like Katie mentioned, we met on our mission. Towards the end of my mission, I was recruited to play at BYU, a, a, a practice which is now um, not allowed <laughs> to recruit athletes as they're on LDS missions or any religious mission. I transferred to BYU. That enabled the relationship that you are listening to now to spring to life. So, I uh, moved out to Utah. This is in 2004. Um, graduated from BYU in 2009, was an economics major with a business minor. I'm, I'm currently working at a, a local SaaS company and I'm a director of enterprise sales. And I am, uh, a father of four, as is Katie. What a coincidence. Uh, My rather mother. mother. I get right. it. I get it. I mm-hmm. think they could make that connection. I don't know. I, I currently do... What, what do I like to do?
0: Did you... Improv comedy.
1: Oh, I do improv comedy at Comedy Sports Provo. If you are in the area, come down and check it out. Other than that, I think... I mean, you'll get to know us over the course of of the of the podcast. So that's just a really quick three to four uh, well, okay, minute now, introduction. Now I, I oh, you get to I'm, ask questions or what?
0: No. Okay. I told them that I was a TBM True Blue Mormon.
1: Oh. oh, I believe
0: the... I am a current primary president. Right. And I think it's applicable now surprise Whoa. okay to say where you stand
1: i am uh currently uh first counselor in the eligible presidency so i still attend church every week the next topic and really the last topic of this episode we'll talk about our current standing and a little bit of how we got there but you probably have guessed by now that uh, i am the one that has had some shifting beliefs so I still love to go to church and I don't go just to support uh, Katie and my family, which it is a reason why I go even before the doubts came. Um, That's a good reason to, to participate in church, but I go because it's helpful for me. I still have a faith in, in God and a belief in God and Christ, but it certainly has changed over the last year. I no longer say things like, I know this, or I know that. I don't think you do know. I I personally say I believe I believe in God. I believe in Christ. I could be wrong. I don't know, but it helps me to uh, to to maintain that belief. And if that doesn't impact how I treat others, it's it is fine for me to to hold on to that belief. The kind of the hard line to to just drop it. I, I no longer believe in uh, the truth claims of the church, and uh, knowing that. I'm sitting across from my wife who doesn't agree with me, me saying that s- makes you feel things. And I know that it does. And we've talked about that We're more at peace with it now than we were a little while ago. But I mean, should I explain kind of how it got there? The shorter version? I I'll, I'd be happy to to do that, to give you everyone a little bit of context on, on where I stand. And it really, it started four years ago, a little over four years ago. Uh, my father, uh, 69 years old at the time, was, uh, killed by a drunk driver and, uh, out in Georgia. And that was difficult. Uh, of course, really, o- I always looked up to my dad. He was not an absent father in my life. He was, he was six foot eight. He was physically and spiritually a very good influence in my life. The only one of his sons that went into, or children that went into business like he did, the rest took a medical route and, uh, that brought us closer. So when he passed, there was a big, obvious, big loss for, Everyone in the family, Katie included, within a few months that really made me feel extra vulnerable and ask questions like, Man, it really doesn't feel like I'm gonna see him again. And that got me thinking about
0: And you were the only one. There were a few My mom expressed the members, same thing. Yeah, that right? that felt like why can't I feel him? If if he's there, wouldn't he come to me in some way? Wouldn't I have some sort right. of witness that he was there waiting for me? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the root of where your the heart of where your question started. Yep. And then you decided to, am I right?
1: Yeah, no, you're right. I think that led to, okay, let's see. Is this whole thing real? Um, is it made up? What is? What do I do? At the time I was the oldest quorum president in our ward. I love that calling. I still look back at that calling and think, man, that was awesome. The service that you opportunities that you have, but that question was really in me and I could not figure it out without jumping in. And to be quite honest, I don't know how it went from that question to church history, but it did. Let's just say this. I, I did learn some things about church history Particularly from the CES letter, this is back in 2014, not long after the CES letter came to exist, and it threw me for a loop. And I went, "Man, this is what?" As if anyone on listening has has heard that knows that it, it can be difficult. So now, hold on. Oh, go ahead. In,
0: well, in full transparency, so I don't have any recollection of this conversation, but. Alan did tell me that he had read something called the CES letter. And
1: and I, I I hadn't read the whole thing, by the way, at that point. I had read some of it and I stopped reading it and came out directly after reading it into the living room, sat down and I said, man, I've just read something that is really troubling. Enter Katie.
0: And, and- I actually don't know, because I don't remember this. I don't remember this conversation. I had just had a brand new baby, so I'm sorry, but you cannot blame a new mother. (laughs) I don't blame you. Well, I know, but you cannot hold accountable a new mother (laughs) to anything she says or does, because it's like (laughs) being hangry. Right. You just say crazy things and do crazy things, and you are sleep-deprived, and
1: So eat a Snickers so, if, if you're, if you're, okay, you're not so yourself. so go ahead
0: and tell them what I said, what my response was. So
1: her response when I told her a little bit of what I had read, understandably, not just being a new mother, but hearing some of the, what I said, the alarms went off in, in your head. And, and what she said was, you do know that if you leave the church, I'm going to leave you.
0: Okay, so now hearing that back, when he recounted it to me years later, I of course, it sounds horrible. It does. I I take full responsibility for that. I don't remember saying it. I don't.
1: What you did do, and since this isn't a visual podcast, I am now holding Katie's hand. What you did do, Katie, is you said, now let me clarify, what I'm worried about is that when, if you would leave the church, it would change you. You would change, and all of a sudden now, you're watching R-rated movies or you're drinking alcohol. Those were the two examples that you gave.
0: Yeah, because I think that that's the the most sort of physical mental lifestyle changes that you can think of when you think of that, you know, I'm not going to say yeah. you're going to go murder someone, but you, that you would have some sort of lifestyle change that would hurt our family. Yeah. So that's what I went to.
1: Sure. And at now looking back to it, even in, in even in that moment, when you said that I immediately saw the gap between us in how we were thinking about this, because the worst examples that came to your mind immediately were R rated movies and alcohol. And I went, are those really like, is that the sign of someone that's bad and evil? Like, I eh. So I kind of, my head kind of went shut down and I hadn't answered any questions. I had just found this read a little bit and talked to Katie about it. So I shut it down. I was not willing to move forward because I wasn't willing to risk or put at danger, my family at this point, we, our fourth child had just been born and I didn't want to do that. So I went back to elders quorum. I didn't ever stop, but I, I put down any exploration of trying to figure this out. And I said, it doesn't matter what the answer is. I'm not going to leave because I'm not going to risk my relationship.
0: That happens. But I think it's important that you tell or explain the physical things hmm. that happened to you during the time that you were, I would say put in quotation marks, air quotation marks, silenced. Right. What were those physical things that you went through?
1: I, I went through what I would call, I've never had any kind of depression to understand. Hopefully everyone can tell by now I, I live life very optimistically. I am very charismatic I'm very self-complimentary, apparently, but um, I I love life. I
0: bring him back down to earth. She if does. You didn't she rec- already yeah. noticed. <laughs> she
1: points to my receding hairline and says, "You don't, <laughs> you don't have it all, Alan." So when I when I recognize some of the things going on physically with me, it was it was alarming. Anxiety started coming through, and the interesting thing is that professionally and in our family life, things were great. I was active with my quote, highest calling in the church work was going really well. I had just been promoted
0: and he was traveling a ton and And I loved it. Like
1: life was busy. The the anxiety and the, and the mild to moderate depression that came with it uh, was really hard. It was bad. I felt complete emptiness and no emotional depth at all.
0: And there were things that would happen. Like we would go on a date and we would have a great date night But halfway through it, he would have a panic attack, which he has never, ever had a panic attack. But he would have these panic attacks, and I didn't know what to do, and I didn't know how to calm him down. And so I would call his mom, and his mom would talk him through it. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, she was just kind of the strength when he was going through these things. And I suggested to Alan, hey, maybe you need to go see a professional. Maybe you need to go and find someone that can medicate you or help you in some sort of way because I don't know what to do about this so that's what we did we made an appointment for him to see someone it was a terrible experience not gonna lie
1: (laughs) the first appointment was fine he said you it looks like you have some mild depression I didn't get into any of the you know he asked me how are things going here 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 to be frank, at the time, I didn't pinpoint this as religion or spirituality being the cause of everything. I'm sh- I mean, I absolutely recognize that my dad's passing recently was part of it, a part of the anxiety and depression. Uh, but he was, it was the first visit was fine, and he gave me um, a medication, and, and I it didn't work at first. And I had some weird experiences with side effects with medication that was supposed to just be pretty mild relief, uh, depression, anxiety. I went back to him to tell him about that stuff. And the way he treated me was like, I was in the loony bin. That medication can't have that side effect. So I'll lower the dose, but uh, he just dismissed me as kind of, okay, like an attention seeker or I don't know, but it was, I left that office knowing I will never go back. And in fact, I was so soured to the experience. I said, I went home and told Kay, I'm not, I'm not going to another doctor. I didn't like being treated that way. So I never, I didn't fulfill the prescription after it ran out. I just lived with the anxiety and depression until it went away, which was probably a year or so.
0: Well, I think though through that year too. Remember, you had problems with your heart. You'd have heart palpitations, oh, and then yeah. you'd go to the I doctor. And you would think they would tell you, oh, it's stress, it's, you know, wear this monitor, and he would wear a monitor, and then they'd go back and say, well, it looks okay, I think that you just need to slow down, and also during that time, I had two miscarriages, and they both happened while he was gone, and so I was just a mess of emotions, and so there there was a lot. I mean, we were happy and and we were busy, but it was a lot to deal with. And so we always kind of thought that that, that that stress was attributed to the fact that he had so much on his plate. And that lasted for a couple years. And then I think it was about a year and a half ago when yeah, it stopped.
1: Yeah, that's, that's about right. Uh, it just kind of went away. I don't know why, but it did. And I was grateful it did. And within six months to a year, I, I really felt like, all right, I'm in a better place. I'm going to figure this out. I was open with Katie about it. This is now January of 2017. I was open with Katie about it of, hey, I want you to know, I remember it's in our car in the parking lot or parking lot driveway that we had that conversation. I want you to know that I'm I'm going to start looking into the truth claims of the church church history current doctrine and really think about how i feel about it that was not easy right uh, of
0: course i mean my first my first gut reaction is defensiveness i'm upset i'm i don't know why he needs to i don't know why he's unhappy we had recently moved to a new neighborhood where we loved the neighborhood we loved the neighbors Work was going well. I had this new calling yeah. and everything seemed to be working, working well. And I didn't understand why would you want to go and find out more information? Because it's true. Why, why do you have questions about it? Right. Then the next thought I had was, well, if you're going to get information, let's make sure you're getting it from the right sources and let's put you in touch with the right people. From my point of view, mm-hmm. that's what I wanted for you.
1: Right, right. right. I, I started with LDS.org and uh, reading the church essays. I did go and read the, not just read the CES letter, but go to the original source that the CES letter quotes and and read about it, think about it, pray about it. Long story short, because honestly, the entire meat of every episode of this podcast is going to be January 2017 to present day, which is not just a year. It's going to keep going
0: because it's it's, it's, it's fluid right now We're living it every single day.
1: So I w- I don't need to get into and, and really the purpose of the podcast isn't, isn't to get into the nitty gritty details of what I learned and why I got to where I'm at. That may come up, but we'll talk about why we actually don't focus on that well, aspect of it.
0: I mean, I wouldn't say we don't focus on it because when, when I'm excited about something mm-hmm. and then you, Say, well, I don't believe that because of X Y and Z of what I've learned. That's hard to hear. And
1: which is why I don't I try not to do that anymore because it's not easy.
0: Right. I wouldn't say that we don't focus on the, the details or the nitty-gritty of stuff because there are things that I say, "Why don't you believe this?" And then he'll tell me right. and I probably get mad or I get upset.
1: In short, over the past year, um, how I came to where I'm at, and then I'll give a definitive statement of where I am. There is not any one issue that I learned that I point at and say, that's why I don't believe in the church anymore. It's three to four hours a day of study and prayer and going to the temple and talking to mission presidents and talking to bishops and stake presidents. And that list grows to 70, 80, 90 things. And you look at the weight of all of those things and you go, oh my gosh, <laughs> that's why I can't believe it anymore. So that's, that's kind of where, where the last year has, has taken me. So at, as, as this moment, like I've, I've said, stated before, I, I do at this moment believe that I don't believe the church is evil. I believe the church, like most Christian churches, is meant to help people live better, uh, help people be more Christ-like. Uh, but I don't believe that it is the only path to that God wants us to follow. I also believe that Joseph created it, that it wasn't a restoration. It was Joseph's creation and at a high level, we can, we can leave it there. Do you you have any response to that?
0: But I want to say, and for me through the process, I can understand and I can have sympathy towards Alan and how he feels. I don't have the, these strong feelings like he does. He has strong feelings. I don't. And I would say, I even think, okay, I can understand how you're feeling. I can see why you feel that way. I just don't feel the same way as you. And because of that, now we have this kind of weird dynamic that we're trying to figure out because we're not on the same page. We started on the same page. We were missionaries. We got married in the temple. We came home. We started a family. And now that we're not on the same page, I'm... I am terrified of the veering that will happen rather than sticking together and the questions that we have for our future. I I just want to reframe, you know, when we talk about the podcast and what we want it to be, we, we talk right in the opening that it's for couples that are experiencing a change of beliefs, but they're still committed to strengthening their relationship, even though they have those differences. And I, we're, our hope is that we can touch on the subjects that are going to be hard to talk about. They're hard for us to talk about, and I fully believe and know that at some point I will break down or I will be upset with something that was said. Maybe I'll want Alan to edit it, but this is our this is real life for us, and I I I think that. There's power in talking about it, which is why we're doing that.
1: Yeah. So here's a little teaser of some of the, not all, it's not, we can't give you everything in one milk before meat, everyone. But uh, here's a a teaser of a few of the topics that we know that we're going to talk about. How do you deal with milestones with family, Uh, children being baptized? And uh, in six months, our oldest, our oldest son is turning 12. We haven't talked to our kids yet. So how, what, how do you handle that? The communication, uh, uh, the balance between being open and respectful, because if I'm completely open, it's very uncomfortable
0: and it's uncomfortable to hear. It's not
1: right. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah.
0: To listen to and and I think things can be said that really hurt one another. And we've both done it. We yeah. both have said things that have been hurtful.
1: And I think we've gotten a lot better at that. Uh, so that, that'll that be that could be a multi episodic journey that we take there. But uh, <laughs> temple attendance uh, garments. There, there's there's a lot of topics that we can discuss and. I think lifestyle changes, right? Lifestyle changes. Yeah. You know, that's, that's just a little brief example of some of the topics that we want to talk through. And to be honest with you, again, we're not coming from a position of expertise. We're coming from a position of vulnerability and we have experienced a few things that we, we hoped will be helpful, but we also want everyone else to feel out there that you don't have to have this figured out. We don't have it figured out. We're hoping that this process helps us as well. The most important thing for us is that there is no doubt in my mind that Katie is committed to me. There's, I do not feel what she said to me four years ago. I don't feel like we're at risk at all. I don't. It does not mean it'll be easy. Uh, just to put words in your mouth, honey, <laughs> Katie is just as committed to me and doesn't have that fear either. is that fair to say
0: i mean i wouldn't say that i don't have that fear because i think that that wouldn't be true i have hope and i think that for a long time i didn't have hope here i go i told you i would cry
1: we almost made it to the (laughs) end katie not in episode one
0: (laughs) i have been more feel fearful than hopeful I've had people tell me that a marriage is not going to work if you're not in the same belief. And that's scary to me because as committed as we are together to each other and to our family, it's scary to think that in the future that might not work out. And so we're just trying to make it work the best we can. This morning, I'll just say this. I got a phone call from someone that I had met over the internet who is going, experiencing something very similar to us. In fact, they are six months behind where we were. And I, at the end of our conversation, I just said, it's okay. It's going to be okay. And that's because of the hope that I feel. And, and she, and she, I mean, of course, felt, I hope she felt it also. You just have to step back and breathe and say, okay, okay. Where are we? Where do we stand? What can we look forward to in the future? And what is it that we can come together on for our marriage and for our family? And that's what we're hoping to do.
1: So this has been episode one of Marriage on a Tightrope podcast. I'd like to thank my beautiful co-host, Katie, for for joining us today.
0: You got to stare into my lovely eyes Mm. for 45 minutes.
1: Thank you for joining us. We, again, please send us any messages that you may have um, any questions you may have for us at marriage on a at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. It's all an adventure that comes with a breathtaking view Walking a tired road